film and television, merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house, or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. again for Between the Bannisters podcast. I am very excited about um, the guest I have today. Miss Kelly Krause, would you please say hello to the folks? Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm so happy that she's here because she will be the third TV show that we're talking about on the podcast. You know, everyone just wanted to start talking about TV, which is great. I'm very excited to talk about what Kelly wants to talk about today. But I want to talk a little bit about Kelly herself. So Kelly is an archaeologist turned screenwriter, producer via burlesque. Yes, you heard me correctly. Despite her penchant for rhinestones and sequins, she has a flair for the macabre, specializing in atmospheric, character-driven genre grounded in history and the supernatural. Kelly has earned several accolades for her genre work and is a co-founder of Nick's Horror Collective and a co-producer for micro short film festival 13 Minutes of Horror, which streams on the Shutter Channel. She is also a practicing witch and isn't afraid to use her powers for good. Kelly, I'm so excited that you're here. <laughs> Yay! I'm excited to be here. Well, I mean, like I mentioned here earlier, like I'm just I'm thrilled that I finally have the chance to just completely geek out about this TV series. <laughs> Yay! I'm my absolute favorite. <laughs> so let's tell the kids at home what are we talking about today? What TV show are we talking about? We are talking about Penny Dreadful, the, the original series, just want yes. to specify. Yes, so tell me what about um, Penny Dreadful, why did you choose that one in particular? Oh my god, um, quite a few reasons to be honest, um, I, I mean not least of which is that I think out of any sort of media that has influenced my own storytelling um, and writing, um, Penny Dreadful absolutely takes the cake. Um, absolutely takes the cake. It's it's the resource and um, inspiration that I go back to again and again and again, um, you know, especially if I'm uh, struggling in any sort of way, like have writer's block or whatever, it's, it's something that I will always, you know, watch and, you know, push play and <laughs> rewatch again and again and again. Um, but it was also, the first television series in a very, very long time that I just was completely addicted to. And, you know, it, it was some, um, it, it's not a series that um, what was bingeable. I mean, I'll be, now it is bingeable because it's, it's, it's finished, but when it was, you know, initially released and, you know, through its, its entire run, um, you had to wait uh, a week in between episodes. And for me, waiting that week was like absolute fucking torture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was so ready for the next episode and the next and the next and the next. And you know, so that's another reason why it just resonates for me because it, it had been, you know, literally years since a TV show had made me react like that. 
how do you <laughs> feel that it because you you are creative and you've done so many creative things and you continue to do more creative things and a lot of your creativity does sit or a lot of your work does sit in the historical factor is that something that resonated for you very quickly or was it the the monsters and the creatures and characters within <laughs> um I mean I am absolutely a sucker for a period piece but I I think what um resonate oh my god I can't speak what resonated with me personally <laughs> more so than anything. And this was just apparent from the very first trailer that I saw for the series. So never mind even watching the first episode, just the trailer. That was what really hooked me in and made me want to watch this. And that was the tone, the tone of the show. Um, you know, like, like this, this dark, very gothic sort yeah. of supernatural tone that I just absolutely adore and love. And, you know, I think there are so few shows who who really do that well. I mean, th there are a lot out there, but, but you know, few and far between who just um, ex execute it so beautifully. And it, that was, it, like I said, just there from the start with that first trailer that was released. And so that's what pulled me in. Um, but what kept me watching, what, you know, keeps me watching pretty much anything um, are the characters. And, you know, these are just some of the most fascinating and compelling characters. It's an ensemble cast for those who don't know. And um, everybody is cast so perfectly, not just in the main cast, but the supporting cast. There are so many memorable characters throughout every episode, throughout every season, and just the dynamics that develop between all of them, especially that primary cast. And you know that, that primary cast really becoming a found family, which is a theme that I just always love, love, yeah. love, love. Um, is what really, you know, kept me invested for its three season run. I love it. I, from what I've seen, I'm on a complete transparency. I've only seen the first three episodes. So. <laughs> I'll try not to spoil too much. Sorry, kids. I mean, you're just going to have to spoil it all because I eventually I'm still going to watch it. But I got on the party bus way too late and fell in love. And then the next day I went to watch it and womp womp it was no longer available and I had to call Kelly and cry. So I'm excited that we're talking about it today. When you sit and talk about being character driven and the found family aspect, is that something that you try to have in your particular stories or is that type of atmosphere something that you like to bring to your characters? Absolutely. I, I think the found family aspect is something that you know, kind of seeps into most of my stories. And, you know, when I think about it more often than not, um, it's, it's not, you know, your, your, your blood family, your natural born family, though, for, for a couple stories, I do have that as well. But in, in, in those instances, it's even a case of, you know, finding that blood family again, and, you know, going on that journey and, um, you know, building is establishing and actually building those relationships. Um, so it is, it is something that I, that I, uh, you know, just resonates very much so with me. And I, and I think it's because it's such uh, a great way, um, you know, to establish compelling character dynamics, compelling group dynamics and community dynamics. Um, and, you know, a great way to watch characters evolve and grow as they sort of learn from each other um, and, and change with each other and influence each other. I'm so excited. I just want to hear about it all. Like, I'm just like, I just feel like I just want you to just sit there. Kelly, just tell me all about the whole show. Cause I'm 
<laughs> well, I, we're gonna, I think so. <laughs> so. And the question, I mean, really the basis of the podcast is finding out like what makes this formative for you? How has this show influenced you or shaped you in any way? I mean, I, I, I think it's probably definitely more so at a professional level. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, um, this is a show that I go back to over and over and over, uh, including when I'm, I'm uh, working on my own stories, um, you know, for inspiration, or even, you know, just to learn structural elements, to learn character elements, and, and more specifically, those character relationships. Uh, as you know, I write a lot of horror. <laughs> This, this, is a horror series. this is a <laughs> this is a horror drama series uh, yes. and, and so you know looking at some her, uh, certain horror elements as well I, I know that um, when I was writing my uh, first script um, Macabre which you've read mm-hmm. um, um, this was a show that I watched a lot in the process of developing Macabre to you know uh, study some of those those horror beats, those scary beats, and really learn how how they worked and how they were executed. Um, you know, especially given that um, both Penny Dreadful and Macabre are supernatural stories to a certain degree, anyway. Um, Penny Dreadful, especially. Uh, <laughs> so, um, oh my God, I lost track. What was the question? <laughs> Sorry. I love it. <laughs> How it's how it's how it's important me, right? How it shaped me. Okay, yes. Yeah, how it shaped me. Yeah, there you go. I was like, what was the question? Go ahead. Yeah. How does that shape you? <laughs> but I mean, I I just um I think something else that that I, I do a lot with my own work, um, you know, is is explore the outsider or the outcast and Penny Dreadful is filled with those. And, you know, so that is another aspect of it that has been highly influential in my own work and, you know, an aspect of it that, that I also go back to again and again to kind of study, um, you know, how, how that archetype is explored in this particular story and how I, I can potentially explore it in, in my own stories, you know, and, and hopefully do something fresh and different, but, um, but, you know, using, but starting with a basis or a foundation. Um, and, and I think, uh, again, that's something that um, Penny Dreadful just does so, so well, um, is exploring all these different characters who are all outsiders in their own ways. Yeah. You know, but in coming Absolutely. together, you know, ki- kind of escape that to a certain degree because they become that bound family. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're no longer, and when they're together, they're not outsiders, you know, they, they are a family. And it's great that you say that because even in the, <laughs> the short amount of episodes that I've watched, I've seen all these characters all came fully formed. Like I was never questioning what else, you know, I don't really know how I feel about that person yet. Everyone was fully formed. Everyone had a motivation singularly and no one was there to accessorize the other. And that's really what I, I loved about, you know, getting to each person and each character sadly I only got to be introduced just a little bit to Dorian Gray but I did get to see Billy Piper which I love her with my entire um but she's amazing (laughs) she's so good but just all of those characters I was really pleased to be like I'm on board and I've gone through a lot of shows and unfortunately some period shows that I watched that I really wanted to fall in love with immediately like Carnival or Deadwood and, and things of that nature where that's kind of that era is kind of my jam 
where I've had to be like, I don't really know about this person yet. Five episodes in, I still don't yeah. really know what their motivation is. Mm-hmm. I didn't question any of these characters. I knew exactly what, maybe not exactly what was going on, but I knew each of them had a different track and a different goal. But collect when they came together collectively, it made sense. And that's what I really liked about the show that I that I just found out that I have a Showtime account. I'm gonna watch it. So <laughs> so he's, changed, he's changed my life today. So I'm very excited about that. But if we're talking characters, and I know this is gonna be really, really, really difficult for you, who are your top three characters out of this show? And can you describe them to the kids who may not have seen this yet oh my god this is gonna be very hard because I love all of them so so much I know (laughs) um I I do just want to make a quick comment about um well your comment about the characters being fully formed and you know just just to give John Logan some credit the the creator of the series and the sole writer for the first season um that that did change in in the subsequent seasons Mm. but um you know he fully outlined um, the entire series, every single episode until he started writing any of the scripts. And that included doing all the characters' backstories. And I think that's why when we meet them in the pilot, they do feel fully formed because he did the work. Yeah. Um, you know, and in, in my opinion, his best work, I, I, th- I think this is by far his best work as a screenwriter ever uh, is yeah. this series. Um, you know, but it, it was very much a passion project and it shows this is something that he had been wanting to do for years and he finally got the chance to do it. And, and the love that went into it is, is so apparent, so apparent, oh, especially yeah. in, in the characters. Yeah. Um, but, oh God, my three favorites. Mo. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I'm doing it because it's difficult and I know you are capable of the work. <laughs> Well, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, you know, to anybody who has seen the show and, and who is especially a fan of it, um, Vanessa Ives, played by Ava Green. Um, so just as this is just as this is John Logan's best work for me, uh, this is also Ava Green's best work. Yeah. Um, she is just phenomenal. Her performance in this series throughout is just so visceral I mean more so than anything she's ever done as far as I'm concerned and she has gone on the record as saying this was one of the most difficult roles that she's ever had to play um and you know uh, uh, very specific scenes in particular that that were struggles for her and that you know she put a lot of work into to you know get them just right um I'm sure we'll talk about one of those (laughs) (laughs) soon enough Uh, as one of my personal favorites um but I, you know, I, she just from the get go, you know, she she has this um, enigmatic quality quality to her that just really draws you in, you know, because you want to know what the central mystery of her character is, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, we we dive deep into her character is and her character's backstory in both season one and season two, yeah. and you know, the, the, these experiences that shaped who she is, and and you know, kind of explain why um, she is the way she is and why she does the thing that she does. And like, it, it, oh my gosh, why she does the things that she does. And what really drives her, you know? And, and like many of the characters, she is driven by past trauma. She's driven by past guilt. And, and you know, the, the desire to find some sort of atonement or redemption and, it's just such an incredible emotional journey that she goes on throughout 
And, you know, sometimes she goes it alone, which is absolutely thrilling when she does that and really showcases her courage. And, and, and other times, you know, she is doing it as a unit with the other characters. The other character that I just absolutely love and the actor that I just absolutely love in this role that I honestly um, feel doesn't get nearly as much attention um, as he deserves for this role is uh, Timothy Dalton as Malcolm Murray. Mm -hmm. uh, he is just phenomenal in this role as this character mm -hmm. and I really wish more people would talk about it and, and just the journey that his character goes on as well over the three seasons of this series and and you know just really being this sort of cold hard person mm -hmm. um at the beginning of it you know through most of season one and then just mm -hmm. the shift that he makes in the subsequent seasons you know as he builds these relationships with the other characters and works through um why not what genuinely is a shared trauma with the character mm -hmm. of Vanessa Ives and them sort of reconciling you know their the, the the respective parts that they played in creating that trauma it's uh, it's just amazing and and you know Timothy Dalton I, I, um, has also kind of gone on the record as, as saying that this has been one of his favorite characters to play and and I I feel that he's had you know, so little opportunity to play a character of this magnitude and, and whose mm -hmm. influence on the story just grows and grows and grows as, as, as the episodes continue. Third one, oh my God, this is so hard. <laughs> I mean, you could take like two more if you really this want This is so to. hard. <laughs> we got time, go for it. Okay. Oh Jesus, this is so, so hard. Okay, <laughs> I, I hate this. <laughs> Okay. Um, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to name, I'm going to name three more, but I will okay. only talk about one in detail. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's what we will do. This is your parade, baby. You do you All right. <laughs> so I absolutely love the creature um yes. played by so I, got, I did get to get introduced to that you creature, did get to I'm get introduced so to the excited. creature yes um played by Rory Kinnear and uh, again just an amazing amazing job from him um you know for those who may not know the creature is the creature of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and so yeah for, the, for those who do not know and if you don't know I mean where, where have you been uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Penny Dreadful pulls heavily from you know classic gothic literature including Frankenstein and Dracula and there are characters from those stories that appear in this tv series and two of those characters are Dr. Victor Frankenstein and his creature and um, for many people who are fans of uh, Shelley's novel myself included this series has actually been their favorite adaptation of the Frankenstein novel. And so if you are a fan of Frankenstein and you have not seen this series, get on it. You will not be disappointed. It is so, so good. And Rory Kinnear as the creature is amazing. Um, the other two that I just absolutely love, I, just, I love all of them, Jesus. <laughs> I, am, I am the worst. I am the worst. Um, <laughs> but Simon Russell Beale as Ferdinand Lyle, who is the, you know, eccentric Egyptologist um, slash archaeologist. We, um, you know, meet him in the pilot. Uh, so Mo, you should, you should know who he is, but yep, he yep. is just, uh, again. And imagine why you like him. I <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Egyptology aspect aside, uh, yep. he's, he's just such, he's such a pleasant character. Like he is a character who brings the levity 
to the mm-hmm. show that, that, it, that it sometimes needs. You know, I don't want to say he's the comic relief. I feel that's a stretch uh, yeah. because he very much becomes a part of this found family, especially in season two. But, you know, he, he just has a very um, comical way of looking at things. And he ends up being a very pertinent figure in the group. Like you know, there, there's a lot of knowledge that he has that becomes yes. extremely relevant and important in later episodes. And, and like I said a moment ago, especially in season two. Um, but he's just such a joy. And, and you can tell that he's played with such joy and reverie by Simon Russell Beale, um, who, who does theater actually more so than anything. And I actually think that shows a lot in his performance too, that there is this very theatrical aspect to his performance. And it's, it's just so much fun. <laughs> the last person, uh, so you, you don't actually meet until season two, but I, I just, adored her in this role. Um, and that is Patty Lupone as Joan Clayton, AKA the cut wife. Um, and I would love to see Patty Lupone in everything. Absolutely everything. <laughs> I second that emotion. Absolutely. Absolutely everything. <laughs> but yeah. her character um, in season two is just such a memorable one. And, you know, as, as, uh, you will learn more once you get there, uh, a character that was such a huge influence on the character of Vanessa Ives. Again, don't, don't, don't want to spoil too much. I know we're going we're gonna to do spoilers <laughs> today, but I don't want to spoil too much because I do want I do want to let you enjoy that journey once you get to it. Just another yet phenomenal character who really resonates and that is just unforgettable and is a character whose who's journey we, you know, will, will bring you to tears. It certainly brought me to tears. <laughs> And I'll leave it at that. Um, I, okay, so I kind of did the opposite of what I was going to say. I said, you know, I, I mentioned three more and then I talked about three more. Detail, but we'll Who stop. Cares? We'll stop because otherwise I will absolutely keep going. There are just so many that that I adore. And, and again, it's just, it's just a testament to the work that went, went into developing these characters, including yeah, their, their backstories and their origins before, you know, a, a single word of script was written. So... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think what I what I think is great about that that you could continue that you could talk about how everyone was really an integral part of the show and the reasons why they've stayed with you. And I think that's so important for us as screenwriters. We want that for our, for our people that watch our work. Mm-hmm. Like I know that that is what you would want for somebody watching the cup. I know that that's what you would want from them. Like for me, I will not stop until one of my characters is Funko Pop. Like that is me. That is like me. I've made, it. I've made it. My bobbly head character is up and running. But that's that means so much to us as creatives, and to hear you say that about somebody else's work and identify so quickly with the characters and really fall in love with the characters, it just really speaks to how much work was done behind the scenes and how important that work was to give you what you enjoyed now. If they had just said, oh, we're just putting these gothic characters in haphazardly, which we've seen a million times already, yeah, um, yes. it wouldn't, it wouldn't yep. have the same, yeah. <laughs> we could go on and on about that too. Um, we wouldn't have the same zest for it that we, that we really do. And I think that that's beautiful. But I will say on the flip side of that, and I ask this of everybody, is there anything in the show as much as you loved it, that you were just like, oh, I really wish they didn't do that. Absolutely. Or I really wish this could have been hit it. 
Absolutely. I mean, it is, it, it is an imperfect show. It is my favorite, but it isn't perfect. And there are absolutely things that I would have done differently. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm sure that some people will disagree with these and some people will, will, will absolutely agree with these. There are two more characters <laughs> that I, I it. <laughs> absolutely loved that were killed off, um, that I would not have killed off, at least not in the manner, the, the manners that they were. And they are both killed off in season two, uh, which is just heartbreaking um, because yeah. we get so little time with them. And, and again, they're just wonderful, wonderful characters. And uh, the one is actually only introduced in season two. So we have even less time with them, unfortunately. But um, like, like we've already said, like, like you just said a moment ago, like all these characters are so, so memorable, you know, you know, and are so fully formed. Um, so the first is uh, the character of Angelique, who was played by uh, Johnny Beauchamp uh, in season two. She is a transgender woman who forms a relationship with the character of Dorian Gray. She is another character that is just uh, su such a joy and, and brings moments of lev levity. And she's just so witty and so intelligent, so, so intelligent, but you know, has, has been on a huge personal journey um, as a trans woman, living as a trans woman in 1890s London and, and openly and proud as a trans woman in 1890s London, which I, I think is such a rare thing. And, you know, she forms this beautiful bond with Dorian Gray and without, you know, going too much in the into the details is the one who ends up killing her fully intentionally. And it's, it, it just, um, I don't know, like the way it was done um, was very, upsetting and, and that this is a community that that has seen so much violence in our media and to take such a uh, great well-rounded well-formed character like that and, and you know to kind of do away with her the way she was done away with and especially given the circumstances of the situation I, I think it would have been fascinating um, to keep her on through season three you know, especially as we see the evolution of um, Billy Piper's character, Brona, into the character of Lily and the relationship that she in turn then forms with Dorian Gray and the interesting group dynamics that could have come between those three characters, Lily, Angelique, mm -hmm. and Dorian in season three, I think would have been such an incredible thing to watch yeah. and, and see and, and develop and explore. The other character, uh, that was very heartbreaking um, to see go, and again, especially in the manner that he was, and, and the, a character that was very beloved by many, myself included, is um, the character of Sambini, played by the brilliant Danny uh, Sampani. And, you know, Sambini is, you know, Sir Malcolm's valet um, or valet, and he is from Africa originally. We don't know where precisely. He does have scarification on his face, and so um, a scarification, I think, is supposed to be an indicator of exactly what part of Africa he comes from, but it's clear that that is where he and Malcolm met, and mm -hmm. that Sambini chose to return with Malcolm to London of his own free will. So he is not a slave or servant there. there he, yes, he works for Sir Malcolm, but there is a deeper bond that binds the two. Mm -hmm. And Sambini is yet another um, fascinating character that I really just wanted more of. You know, he, he, he says very little, um, at least initially, but whenever he does says something, it's extremely impactful. Yeah. and resonant and he seems 
to see things and know things that others in this core group don't. And, you know, consequently has a lot of wisdom to share. I know that there is this one scene that he has with the character of Ethan Chandler, um, you know, where they are chatting one-on-one -on -one and Ethan asks him blankly, you know, what is your story? And Sambini replies, well, I have no story. And it's like, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> bullshit, you don't have a story. <laughs> what is it? We want to know. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to probably go about this in a little bit of a roundabout way because um, we're going to tackle yet another thing that I would change, but it's going to, you know, kind of come back to the character of Sambini. The point being is that, um, you know, he is killed off um, in the second to last episode of season two, and he is killed off by sacrificing himself for Ethan Chandler. And again, it's just such a tired trope of, you know, the, the black character or the other character of color, and especially, you know, the character of color who's in a position of servitude, just sacrificing themselves for the white character. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's, um, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well, well with me, you know, just knowing that there is more to his story, that he probably has a really good story. I, I, that's something that I would have loved to have seen explored in subsequent seasons, mm -hmm. which brings me to my, my other thing that I would change. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved a season four. Um, yeah. I, I would have absolutely loved a season four and season three is absolutely beautiful. And I think the way it, it wraps up still makes sense, but there are, there are some aspects in season three that I would keep in season three and, and some aspects that I would say for season four. And so, you know, kind of end season three with, or start season four with, kind of going back to the beginning, if you will, where it all starts. And, and mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is, is really um, one of those early scenes um, in the series, actually in the pilot episode, um, you know, where the group uh, takes the body of the vampire that they've just slain, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, to the, um, to the morgue and where they meet uh, Dr. Victor Frankenstein and performs an autopsy and beneath this sort of exoskeleton that the monster has are you know, these carvings yeah yeah and, and yeah the, these these markings that are egyptian hieroglyphs and you know that that is a theme that features heavily in 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 the um first season you know the these these origins in ancient egypt and nearby areas and is a theme that continues through season two and, you know, suggests that this is perhaps the actual origin of vampires and perhaps the actual origin of the character of Dracula. Gotcha. And so I would have loved, loved for the team who kind of go their separate ways in the first mm -hmm. half of season three. And I think that's fine. Like, go your separate ways the first half and then reconvene in Egypt, reconvene in Egypt yeah where it all began and really explore that and kind of almost like you're bringing the fight, you know, to, to those creatures or to Dracula, rather than waiting for them to come to you in London, you're going to go to them. And I, I think that just would have been absolutely fascinating and fun and to explore, um, you know, a, a, a different country outside of the West in that era. 1890s Egypt, um, honestly, because as you know, I researched this, actually was a very fascinating <laughs> place, a very fascinating <laughs> yeah. time. Um, I, I just think that would have been so much fun and so, so cool. And then you can bring in a lot of those elements from the uh, second half of season three into, these, into season four and still close it out in a very similar fashion. But 
yeah oh no I just I just want it more I just want it more I just so much <laughs> it's like you know I just needed I needed more from you yeah I needed more from you. so on the flip side of that what is one of your favorite scenes one of my favorite scenes yeah. okay well I'm sure you won't be surprised because uh, it, it is a scene that you have thankfully seen and that is the seance scene in episode two oh, yes. of season yes. one I I do have a lot of favorite scenes with this but that is just peak and it is by far the one that um is is the most memorable as far as i'm concerned and i think you know fans of this show when they do think of the show that is the scene that comes to mind is that mm -hmm. seance scene in episode two just again phenomenally performed by ava green yeah you know she is doing so so much work and when John Logan actually did finally start to write the scripts for this, that was actually the first scene that he wrote because he knew that it was going to be the most difficult. And I think initially he had it at 20 pages. It was something, you know, just insane. <laughs> it was insanely long. Yeah. And he eventually I cut it, I think cut it down to half of that. Um, you know, but there was so much prep that went into mm -hmm. um, filming this scene so much prep with all the actors but Ava Green in particular and and again it just it just shows and 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 the and the work that she put into it before filming you know trying to get ready for it this is one of those um, scenes that I mentioned earlier that that was one of the most difficult that she's done in her entire career yeah was this seance scene and it is just amazing um, if, if you have never seen the show Please, at the very least, watch that scene. Watch that scene. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't YouTube to, you don't even have to get a Showtime account. It's like that scene is available on YouTube. You can search for it, pull it up, watch yeah. it. But it is and there's so much physical work that she does, and her yes. face is literally like another character. Like well, just the expressions that she does in her eye, the acting she does with her eyes. I don't even, I've never seen that on anybody else. Well, and 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 that's the thing. And that, that was one of the challenges for her is that you know, she's playing four different characters mm -hmm. in this scene herself well no she's playing five actually so, so herself Malcolm's two children his daughter and his son but his her, his son she's playing both as a child and as an adult mm -hmm. so that's four and then the fifth is the devil yeah so she's playing five different characters and it's just incredible incredible yeah. <laughs> like I can't even I don't know. I can't even say anything about it. <laughs> I'm so like, because when I watched it, I feel like I was like, <laughs> you can't see what I did. on. <laughs> but my eyes bugged out of my head is what I'm trying to say in the best ways possible because I was completely 100% engaged in what was going on in the story. And even just like, just watching it, watching that scene, like I was exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted. Yeah. And just being like, holy shit, that was heavy. It was a heavy scene. Mm -hmm. And it was second episode? Yeah, episode two. <laughs> like, I feel like we have too much of this in our industry right now where it's like, oh, it's, oh, you got to get past like episode six. Like, just stick with it. Like, we have yes, so many stick, I stick, agree. We have so many stick with it shows where it's like, no, like, this is the shit that I want in episode two. Yeah. Like, in episode one, yeah, you know, I, I, I need to be pulled in in that pilot yeah. episode. If I am not oh, yeah. pulled in, in that pilot, I, I mean, good, good luck, to be honest. I, mm -hmm. I'll probably keep watching for a couple episodes, but if it's, if it's going to take another two or three after that, I'm probably yeah. not going to commit per yeah. personally, but yeah, I, I, I am 110% 
with you. I, I'm over that myself. Like, yeah. like, like you need to be able to reel your audience in, in that pilot episode, as far as I'm concerned, if not, if yeah. not the teaser for that pilot, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and the teaser for the Penny Triple pilot is also just phenomenal. Yeah. And pulls you in right away. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, it does it with almost zero dialogue, zero dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just a great cast too. There's not one person that is leaning on another or, you know, one person that's being extra and chewing all the scenery around them or overacting, which you can with a period piece, which we've seen that people can overact. <laughs> and I mean, this is just me, like not seeing much of the show to already be able to form these opinions on it. It's just really cool to talk about that I'm already feeling this way with the show, and like, which is why I was so incredibly crestfallen. I was like, what do you mean it's no longer available? Um, <laughs> to have those feelings is about the show is really cool for me because it's it's difficult to get everything and all the all the bonuses and all the pluses that the show carried. It's difficult to get that in one show. Um, and also a show that goes on more than one season. Usually mm-hmm. something that is this, and I'm not going to even call it niche because it's not, but something that has this many elements to it is unfortunately to a certain type of, geared to a certain type of audience, but pulls in more audience than you think that it will. Because yep. the characters are so, they're so, even if you don't know anything about Gothic literature and you don't know anything about these characters, you're still pulled in by the acting and the story. And that I think is just, it's just a very cool show. And I, I, I try and really hard pressed to find something that I've been like that engaged in, in a really long time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to just be like, wow, that was really cool. Or that was a heavy scene or that was like, oh, that had to have been difficult. Oh God. Like I cried. There hasn't been. So, I mean, I understand your, your zeal for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still waiting for the next Penny Dreadful, to be honest. Like, like um, you know, like I mentioned at the top that um, one of the things that um, I just love about that show and that resonated with me is, is that it, it was the first series in a very, very long time that I was just completely addicted to and just wanted to watch every episode back to back ASAP and uh, it's un- since that show was ended I I still have yet to <laughs> connect with another well, we'll just series have like to that write it Kelly. Yeah. Let's get to- <laughs> Kelly will just have to give us the next one. Oh, it's called I'm the trying <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying I'm trying I'm, I'm very I'm, I'm I'm very proud that um you know so many um yeah, people have reacted as strongly as they have to to macabre um, because a, a, a few of those people have called it the next penny dreadful, which is very flattering. It just makes me so happy there to you hear go. that. There you and but, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. We'll see. I you know who knows. We all we always want these these things to to end up on the screen, but um, you never know. Put it out there. You never know. Put yeah, for, for any for any executive who's listening, right? <laughs> looking for the next penny dreadful. Give her a cool. <laughs> so I asked this as a wrap up to wonderful talk that we've had about this show I always ask these last two questions one if you had to describe this show to a person who had no idea what it was about had no idea heard of any of these characters before obviously how heavy is the rock you're living under but if you had to describe the show to a person in a few sentences could you do it Ooh. I think so. Um, I think I would. Let's let's see. Let's give it a go. Give it a go. I I would say a it's a horror drama series that 
follows a group of outsiders who form a found family in 1890s London in the midst of supernatural characters that include Frankenstein and Dracula. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me more. Like, I like it. See? Everybody, everybody goes. Every time I ask that question, everybody's like, I can't do it. It's like you ask a bunch of writers to do a synopsis. They're like, I can't do it. And the last one I always ask is there's always a through line or a story or some kind of addendum to a fable that is being shown in any type of work. In your opinion, mm -hmm. what is this show trying to say? What is the show trying to say? Um, I... I, I, I stand by the, the found family theme. I, I think that is what it's trying to say. I think that is its most powerful message is that even if you are an outsider, even if you are an outcast, you know, there is a family out there waiting for you somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your, your community is out there somewhere. And just because you don't belong now doesn't mean that you won't belong ever. <laughs> it's like sobbing um well then no, this I is think... actually a show that made me sob on multiple occasions oh yeah like <laughs> i was like are you... with the creature moment when like that was i was already like I, this is so beautifully done i was losing myself i think that really is what it what it speaks to when you think about like found families and and people finding each other and like you know you got like the the misfit toys kind of scenario mm -hmm. in it and it can happen in really any series. And I feel like in any genre and that doing it well is very difficult because some characters, you know, some creatives try to push together because they feel like they need to tick the boxes where like there's the funny one and there's the crazy one and there's the one that's drama filled and then there's one and aren't they crazy, you know? <laughs> um, not all ensembles work that way. And especially in a horror series that is, filled with a lot of traumatic imagery in it, it's hard to find that center. And I think this show did it really well. Yeah, So I'm absolutely. excited that we got to talk about Yes, that. and I, I, do, I do just want to kind of leave off with one of my favorite lines from the series. Um, Cause yeah. I, I do just think it's, so, this, this series is, fill, is filled with beautiful writing and beautiful lines that you will remember and that will just make you cry. But like one of my favorites, I think kind of sums up this messaging mm -hmm. that, we're, that we were just talking about um, comes from um, Sir Malcolm. Uh, you know, so Timothy, Timothy Dalton's character and you know remember when we first meet him he's somebody who's very cold and and you know kind of like self-isolating and is you know kind of intentionally cut himself self off from others and, and 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 from relationships and you know to watch him go on this journey where he gets to this point and with Vanessa Ives in particular who who you know really does become his his surrogate daughter mm -hmm. you know say to her to her face um, and with such love in his eyes, like wherever we walk, we walk together. And oh God, like, yeah. like that that to me sums up the heart of this show and and you know, these characters and their journey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yes, but yes, yes, yes. No, no. Yes, yes. Um, so Kelly, tell the folks where they can find your writing, any of the extra things that Kelly does for the writing community, which are very incredible. If you have not taken part <laughs> of them, please do. Please let the folks know where they can find you. Yes, uh, you may find me uh, on Twitter at Kelly Lynn Krause. That's K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-N-N 
K-R-A-U-S-E. God, saying that out loud just seems like ridiculously <laughs> long. But yes, you may you may find me there. Hmm. And you know, please feel free to to follow me, engage with me. Um, I have uh, so many things linked there and uh, host a monthly virtual writers group as well. So please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter if you'd like to hear more about that. Uh, everybody is always welcome. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to hear from y'all. <laughs> yes, Kelly, if you are a creative, or if you are looking for work with any virtual pitch decks, anything like that. Kelly also does pitch deck design, which is incredible. Oh, that's right. I have services. I forgot. <laughs> Professional <laughs> right. services. I did jobs and things. Um, <laughs> so funny. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Yes, if, if, if you would, if you would like oh. my services, also feel free to watch out. Yes. My, my, web, my website you... is linked on my Twitter, and you can see some samples yeah. that I've done. And I'm, I'm, I'm also thinking of expanding into into script consulting, specifically if you have anything with witches or witchcraft in it. I, I will happily She's consult for you, of course. Yeah, for fee. Yeah, we don't want this. You're going to have to throw a penny in the hat. Yeah. So sorry about it. But no, that's excellent. And I'm so, so excited that I get to call Kelly a friend, that I get to call Kelly a colleague, and that we've been able to do this today. So thank you so much. Likewise. Oh, thank you. I love you. <laughs> you said it on the airwaves, folks. It's, it's real. It's deep and it's real. Yes. So I will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us for Between the Bannisters today. Thank you to Kelly again, and then we will see you all next week.